I'm wondering if there's anyone here who likes to rewatch movies. Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, some people. I can't stand to do that. Anybody like to watch uh, rewatch TV shows? Anybody? Anybody? Oh, there's a few of you. Yeah, I can't stand to do that either. Um, but there's one thing I really don't like to do is that I really do not like to reread books. Anybody like to reread books? Yeah, there's a few of you. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. I find that extremely boring. <laughs> it's like, oh, I've already read this book. I know what's going to happen. But there is one book from this past year that I've read um, three times, very out, out of character. Let me put it up for you, this book. I, I mean, I can't believe I've read it uh, three times. You can barely see it, but it's called Living Life Backward um, by David Gibson. If you only read one book this year, read the Bible. But if you read two books this year, read this book. This is a really good book, and I believe that God has ordained this book to come out the same year we're going through, and we're about to go through the book of Ecclesiastes. In fact, I'd like this guy to come and, and talk to you about the insights from Ecclesiastes, but he lives overseas. So basically, I'm going to share some things from him today and we still have left with you on about the books, uh, book of Ecclesiastes. But this is the, the little tagline, okay? So if, get this in your head. Life is gift, not gain. Life is gift, not gain. And we all need to hear that because most of us feel that if we work hard enough now in the present, the future will be far better. Like in the future, right? In the future, we will have gained and achieved a new, happier life. I mean, just think about it. For those of you who are about to graduate, you're like, man, once I graduate, the future is going to be much better. Right? And for those of you who maybe you, just, you don't like your job, you're thinking, when I get the next job, it's going to be better. Or when I move and get the new house, it's going to be better. And for those of you who are single, you're saying, man, if, if I can just get married, the future will be better. So basically, uh, the life you're living in the present is always future-leaning because you think the future is going to be better because in the present you feel empty and you're dissatisfied. Now, this guy Gibson, who I just told you about, he says this. He says, it's like shooting yourself in one foot so that you can hop more quickly with the other. I have no gun, but I'm a finger here. So the present, future. Shoot this foot so now I can hop more quickly on this one. You get it? It's like you are saying, in the present, I'm going to forego the present and being fully here because I am trying to do everything in the present for the future because the future is going to be better than what I'm doing right now. I mean, we all think like that, right? We think, surely, the future is going to be better. And I've got to strive to make it better. But then pull back and say, oh, life is gift, not gain. Life is gift, not gain. Because let me tell you this, in the future, you will graduate, but you will face the harsh realities of life. In the future, you'll probably move and you'll get your home. It will still break. In the future, 
you will get married, maybe. Well, congratulations, you're now married to another sinner for the rest of your life. Hope that goes well. You see, you see, if we're always saying everything is future-oriented, then we miss the present, and then the book of Ecclesiastes is like, no, 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 no. Life is gift, not gain. And that's what we're going to see over the next few weeks, this gift of life that God has given us. So let's go ahead and turn to Ecclesiastes, see if you can find it in the Bible. This book is going to freak you out if you've never read it. It is a good one. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible. You're going to see several times the phrase, all is vanity. All is meaningless. <laughs> so how do we end up with life is gift in the midst of all is vanity? How do we get there? Well, that's what we're going to see in Ecclesiastes. So let's go ahead and just stand as I read the passage to you this morning. Ecclesiastes 1, starting in verse 1. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind, and on its circuits the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? It has already been in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be remembrance of latter things, yet to be among those who come after you may be seated. Here's a longer theological phrase I'll put up for you. Uh, the book of Ecclesiastes shows life's frustrations and apparent meaninglessness while reminding us that our only hope is to fear the Lord, freeing us to enjoy life's blessing in view of eternity with Jesus. The passage we're going to see this morning, the preacher argues that creation is permanent and unchanging, and men and women fade away and see no gain, change, or fulfillment. And that's why we're going to keep coming back to the phrase that life is gift and not gain. Are you ready to study this book? Let's do it, verse 1. Here we go. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. The dominant view throughout history is that King Solomon wrote this, the son of David. Another view that has been more prominent recently among scholars today is that this is not Solomon, but someone pretending to be 
Solomon as a literary device, not as a deception, but as a, a literary device. And you kind of wonder, I don't want to go into authorship views, you know, which one's the right one. Uh, as we come to the specific verses, I may take time to elaborate more on authorship. But throughout this book, I'm going to refer to the author primarily as the preacher. Look at verse 1 again. The words of the preacher. By the power of the Holy Spirit, the preacher is still speaking today. Verse 2. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. <laughs> Several times in this book you're going to see this word. It's the Hebrew word hebel. And it can be translated in English as vanity or meaninglessness. Now, to understand this uh, book, you need to understand this word. And what does it mean? Well, the word basically means pointless vapor. Life is a pointless vapor. And depending upon the context, it emphasizes more of the pointless part of it and the part that's more vapor. <laughs> so, for example, he'll talk about, uh, in a little bit, chapter 2, he'll talk about work. And he said, we keep doing all this work, and it's just so pointless. You ever, you ever said that before at work? This is, this is pointless. But in the end of the book, he's going to talk about youth and vigor, how youth and vigor are hebel. Or vain, or vain. And by that he means uh, more of a vapor, right? Like it's, you're young for a little while and then boom, it's like a vapor. So just put these two together of pointless vapor when you think about vanity or you see meaningless hebel. And in our context here in verse 2, did you see what he says? He says, all is vanity. Basically he says that life is a pointless vapor. It's pointless and it's quick. And if you've ever thought that before, the preacher would be at home with you. You guys could have a good coffee together and talk about how life is pointless and it's a vapor. And I know some of you want to say, can you please qualify that? In a moment, we will. But hold on. Let's keep going. Verse 3. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? What do you ultimately profit from all the work you're here on this earth to do? You crank out 40 hours of work or more per week. What do you have to show for it in the end? You pull all nighters to study, but for what? You take care of your kids, you feed them, you clothe them, but what's the gain? The question that he's asking is, what's the payoff? What do I get from all this work that I keep on doing? What is the payoff for me? And the context in this book will say, your payoff is nothing. You gain nothing. There is no payoff. This is so encouraging, isn't it? I can just look at, you're looking at me like, are you kidding me? Yeah, I'm not kidding. You gain nothing. Well, theologically speaking, we know that in Christ, the bigger context, there is gain. There is a payoff. But if you too quickly jump to the New Testament or cut out Ecclesiastes from your Bibles, you're going to miss 
when it comes to the concept of life as gift and not gain. We're going to get to Christ in a moment, but go with him through his thinking. Let's do this. It gets worse or better. Verse 4. A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and round goes the wind, and on its circuits the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full to the place where the streams flow. There they flow again. You see, the earth is carrying on as business as usual from the rising of the sun until it sets from the swirling wind to the flowing waters. And you and I are supposed to learn something from the creation. Before you arrived, the elements were in place, and they're going to be here when you're gone. And their permanence is shouting to you that your time is almost up and you don't have longer. And when you die, they will not stop but carry on business as usual. So let's let the elements speak to us that our time is running out, that your life is a vapor. Let's take the sun, for example. Again, look at verse 5. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. This idea of hastens is like panting or grasping in order to just do the same monotonous thing all over again. So, if the sun could speak to you, this is what the sun would say to you. You know, I don't have long to talk. Because I'm in a hurry. Boy, I'm worn out. But, but I have to hurry up and do the same thing all over again. <laughs> you look like you're rushing around too. You're working long hours and studying hard to try and get something significant. Use me as an example. You're not going to get anywhere. Nothing changes, man. Well, got to go. That's what the son would say, something like that. What about the wind? Look at verse 6. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind. And on its circuits, the wind returns. You see, the wind is pictured as going around and around in circles. But the wind's not getting anywhere. And if the wind could talk, this is probably what the wind would say to you. Oh, I see that you are stuck in a rut. Just like me. We're going nowhere. We're just going around in circles. But we look busy, don't we? You sure are wearing yourself out. But we're going to just keep going around in circles. See you next time around the horn. That's probably what the wind would say. And lastly, the streams, verse 7. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. <laughs> now the water's going to talk to you. And the water's going to say something like, oh, you're never going to believe where I just came from. I, I was over there, and now I'm over here. And then I went back over there, and now I'm back over here. And the water would say, I see you're busy too. Just wearing yourself out like me. We're getting nowhere. And you want to say elements, sun, wind, water? Be quiet. Quit messing with me. But what you're supposed to see from these elements is they also live in the fallen, wearisome, and cyclical world. 
they're stuck in it as well. And now enter humans. Verse 8. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. So generations come and go. The sun rises and sets. The wind blows around and round. The water comes in and out. And humans pursuing ultimate gain are all so tiring that there's not even words to utter it. Because what's the gain? What's been accomplished? And he says, the eye is not satisfied with seeing. You see it there in verse 8? Nor the ear filled with hearing. We, we have this deficiency. We, we want to hear more. We want to see more. I want to go online and I want to find just what I'm looking for. I want that new piece of advice. I want some satisfaction. As David Gibson says, you never think this is it. I'm full. I've seen it all, said it all, and heard it all. I have given out and taken in all that I can. I doubt there's a single person here who's ever said, got enough, said enough, learned enough, I'm done. Now this book isn't dogging ambition. We're not talking about dogging ambition and work. No, 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 no. It's talking about almost like pushing to be godlike in your ambition so that you can gain, so that you can make a lasting legacy for yourself. So that in some sense you can have a statue put up for all to remember what you did while you were on this earth. Vanity. Meaningless. Pointless vapor. Verse 9. What has been is what will be. And what has been done is what will be done. There's nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new. It, is, it has been already in the ages before us. And just like the sun and the wind and the waters are doing the same thing, so are humans doing the same thing in pursuit of gain. What has happened before will happen again. There is nothing new. And you say, no, 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 no. Computers are new. They didn't have computers during the Bible time. That's new. Okay, you got me. Computers are new. But the idea is that man's pursuit of ultimate gain is nothing new. And the, the gizmos may change, but the pursuit stays the same. Nothing, I repeat, nothing that you can do is ultimately going to break you out of this repetitious cycle to bring ultimate satisfaction. Several years ago, he's not here, but John Kim, Dana, are you here? Hey, Dana, where's John? Oh, okay, he's gone. All right. John Kim and I went to Las Vegas. I know that sounds interesting, but we went to Las Vegas for a church conference. Really, we did. And also in town at the time was the International Consumer Electronics Show, where a lot of innovative technology was introduced. And Bill Gates the Microsoft guy, right? Well, he was speaking at the show, and I'm not joking. While he was doing his presentation, his computer froze up. Bill Gates, Microsoft, his computer froze up. That is exactly what Ecclesiastes wants you to feel. Yeah, that right there. 
Like, oh, I'm being so innovative. I'm cutting edge. I'm a billionaire. I'm getting ahead. Oh, your computer just froze up. Not the thought that we are creative and going to make a name for himself, but like a frozen computer, all these pursuits are getting us nowhere. There is no gain. And you go, why? Why is there no gain? It's such a a negative message. Why is there no gain? Why is there no ultimate gain? Why, why, why? And here's the answer. It's because you are going to die. Verse 11. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. Now, you can argue with some of these details, but I just want to make a generally true statement. You are not going to leave much of an earthly legacy. Your children may remember you. Maybe their children. But that's about as far as it's going to go for you. And if, and if you're fortunate, the fact that you were even here on this earth is remembered, what, 50, 75 years after you're dead? Good for you. But your children, grandkids, beyond that, We won't even know that you were even here. When I was 33 years old, I received a Christmas card that year from a woman named Iris. Now, Iris used to help me out when I preached at a nursing home in Dallas. It's kind of the beginning of my ministry. And we kept in touch over the years. And I left the nursing home at 25, and she was filling me in about all the residents there. And I just kind of want to make a... I don't know if you don't mind. I want to kind of make a a humble brag. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm just going to tell you, I was pretty famous there. I was. I mean, people knew me, and they were glad to see me. It was second largest health care nursing home in Dallas. So I I knew, I mean, I probably knew over 100 people there, and and they loved me, and it was such glory days. And... uh, so she's kind of writing, and she wrote me over Christmas. And, she, and, and in her letter, she had, she had a sentence that said this. There is no one here that remembers you. And I was so cut down. I'm like, what do you mean no one remembers me? That's where I begun my famous preaching and teaching and I love them and, and they love me and they don't remember me because they're dead. They're not there anymore. So much for my earthly legacy, right? I was 33 years old and already not leaving an earthly legacy. So what do you gain from all this hard work on this earth? And Ecclesiastes is like, nothing. (laughs) You're going to die. You're going to be forgotten. And all you're running around is going to amount to nothing. In this fallen world and broken world, you live under this sun in the world. And you go, where's the encouragement? It's here. Life is gift, not gain. 
you could actually start to enjoy life if you realize that you are not here to squeeze everything out of life for your gain. You're not trying to crank to find novelty. You're not here to make a lasting legacy or a name for yourself because you're going to die and you're going to be forgotten. But you know what? You have life right now and it, you are to receive it as a gift. Appreciate it as a gift. And an opportunity to live for God and His glory. You can actually enjoy your life today. And you go, well, what would that look like today? Tell me something specifically to do to live life as a gift today. And I'm going to tell you right now. And, and you can go do it and you can say, the preacher told me to do this. Are you ready for this? You ready? This is the best application I ever give. Go home. Take a nap. Don't worry about tomorrow. There's a lot to do. I know there's a lot to do. Take a nap. Gift. Not always striving, 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 gain, gain. Take a nap. And when you wake up, walk down to the lake. And if the elements start to scream at you, you say, yeah, I know I'm going to die. <laughs> I know it. I know it. Thank you, son. Thank you, lake. Thank you, wind. But I'm here to enjoy today. It's a gift from God. I can enjoy today as a gift. I don't need to shoot myself in one foot so I can hop faster on the other. I can enjoy today. It's a gift. And then we can talk about taking these blessings to another level. Because in the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, we see gift. You see, Jesus came into this world, into the pointless vapor nature of our world, the hevel. And he came and he took all of your striving and all the ways we try to make a name for ourselves apart from God, all our pride, our all, all of our tendencies to be godlike, and he took our sin on him. And God's wrath went on him instead of on us. He died, was buried, he rose three days later, and he's like, gift, gift, it's grace. You receive it by faith. In Jesus, gift of eternal life, gift of righteousness, gift of forgiveness, gift of being clothed in white, gift. But Jesus also came to bring gain, gain for you, gain in his life, death, and resurrection, gain that you can live forever in Christ, gain that you can be forgiven forever in Christ. He came to bring gift and he came to bring gain. And in him we find both. So as a forgiven, justified sinner through faith in Jesus, you can go out during your day and you can enjoy today as a gift. Taking a nap, walking by the lake, hanging out with friends and family. Say, okay, God, I can be at peace knowing that you give me life today as gift and not gain. Let's pray. Father, we are restless creatures 
and our hearts will not find rest until they find their rest in you. Even in my life right now, I'm very future-oriented. Surely the future is going to be better than the present. We all think that. Forgive us, Lord. Help us to enjoy this day you've given as a gift and the life you've given in Christ as a gift. Yes, things are not perfect, Lord. We, we, we tell you we have problems in our marriages with our friends. We have problems at school, at work. We have problems with our body. We're breaking down. But Lord, we just want to pause in the midst of all the drama and trauma and say thank you for the gift of knowing you through Jesus. That we can come into you. We can just give all of our burdens to you. And in Christ, we can find gift and gain. And may we actually believe it and by faith, Rest in you. In Christ's name, amen.